for those of you who want to play EDH, also known as Commander, on Modo, also known as Magic the Gathering Online, with an extreme budget. Uh, on this show, we talk about decks that are no more than $15 and cards that cost literal pennies or pennies compared to their paper counterparts. Uh, with me, as always, are my two co-hosts. We got Lucas Tuttle. Lucas, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And we got Mason Grody. Mason, how are you doing? Morning, morning. I'm doing good. So today, friends, we are going to talk about some surprising budget cards on Moto. So uh, something that we've all noticed, and those of you who maybe are already constructing budget decks uh, on Magic the Gathering Online, uh, you know that this format allows us to play with a lot of really powerful cards that otherwise would be much more expensive in paper. Um, so we wanted to take this episode to highlight a few cards from each of us that surprised us by how budget-friendly they were. So here's the name of the game. We're going to talk about the card. We're going to read it. We're going to uh, tell you how much it costs in paper. And we're also going to tell you how much it costs on Moto. And then we're going to talk a little bit about where you might use this, how it comes into play, uh, maybe why it was so surprising to find it on a budget list. So uh, with no further ado, guys, let's get started. Uh, Mason, uh, do you got some cards for us today? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I got some fun ones. Mostly... I guess I picked them because they are cards that I will probably never play with in paper or probably ever touch. Um, and also they're sweet and they're really good. Um, so right away off the bat, we got Time Twister, which is two and a blue. Um, I think pretty much everyone knows this. It's the biggest uh, blue wheel effect in the game of Magic. Um, and in paper, it'll run you roughly somewhere over $4,000, which is something that people aren't going to just be running to their, to their LGS and buying. And those LGSs probably do not have them. Um, and then in paper or in, uh, on MTGO, you can get it for a dollar and 62 cents, which is wild 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 um, that's definitely a card that you never like like i never have ever thought that i would play time twister ever you know what I mean? even like i never even thought of it online like i that just always seemed out of reach right it's in that pantheon of of like untouchable cards right it's definitely just it's a card that i know exists but it might as well not exist because it's just something I never, I know I have already accepted that I will never play with it or never even see it. And that's the end of that story. Like, but with Magic Online, we can play it in our $15 budget, which is crazy. Not only can we afford to play it online, it's affordable on a budget. It's crazy. I guess just to jump into my other card, this is definitely a card that I will be playing and I have played online. Um, the Abyss, which is, I'm sure a lot of people don't know of this card. That's three and a black. 
uh, world enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, destroy target non-artifact creature that player controls of his or her choice. So basically they sacrifice a non-artifact creature on their upkeep. Um, and it can't be regenerated, I guess. Uh, so in paper, it'll run you at least like $600. Um, but online, it's only a dollar and 30 cents. Um, this, this is my style of deck. And I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that maybe it didn't make your, uh, your stacks deck that you mentioned in the last episode. It seems like it seems like a very smokestacksy type deck would uh, would definitely want to play this or like I played this in a online of years ago I played uh, commander on MTGO and I played a Brea deck so I played all these artifact creatures no non artifact creatures and just like jam the abyss in it because I would never have to sacrifice a creature and all my opponents would. Yeah, that definitely sounds like something that Nath wants. I'm not sure if I can't I can't recall why that would have been on the chopping block. It's probably something that I just didn't know about, right? Um, they just don't see in paper very much, and so it didn't even like come into my uh, the the periphery of my mind at all as something I should drop in there. Uh, maybe I had to cut something because I was so tied up against that $15 budget and that just didn't make it, but it sounds like a slam dunk, man, for sure. Yeah, that card is definitely one of my favorite cards from a long time ago. And I, so I started Commander actually playing, um, not to go into too much, but I started playing Commander on MTGO um, before I played in paper. So my view on how expensive paper cards were for Commander were very skewed. Um, so one of my first decks, I was actually going to pick up the Abyss. And when I found out how much it was in paper, I, it, it made me chuckle and very disappointed at the same time. Uh, that's kind of the reverse uh, effect of, of what like, like I'm uh, having with this experience. And I'm sure Lucas, too, because we've been, we've been indoctrinated to the prices of, of the paper format now. And we're seeing these savings uh, <laughs> in the other direction. Um, speaking of which, Lucas, let's, let's move to you. If, if you have some cards to talk about and then, uh, Mason, we can jump back to you if you have a couple more. Yeah, I've, we've got, we've got everybody's, everybody's favorite Cyclonic Rift, uh, on the docket. Uh, right now it looks like it's going for 39 bucks, 38 bucks in paper. Uh, just a little, little spike, uh, today or whatever. Uh, recently, 30, 35 bucks from Card Kingdom. It's everyone's favorite. Return target non-land permanent. You don't control to its owner's hand for one in a blue instant. Otherwise, you can overload it for six in a blue and return the word. Um, you may cast a spell for its overload cost if you do. Change its text by replacing all instances of target with each. Uh, you, you know the drill. Uh, last, last player before your turn's end step, you go ahead and pop one of these bad boys off. Everyone dumps everything to their hands and you go ahead and have your full board ready to go. Everyone's favorite car that should be banned. And right now on Moto, it currently is going for $1.50 off card hoarder. And that's how much I bought it for the very first time I bought Cyclonic Rift was back in 2016. So it wasn't even forever ago. It was only a $2 card and here it's $1.50. Uh, that, I don't know, that blows me away. Everyone wants to play it. 
obviously, Mason, you can probably speak to this about it. Obviously, doesn't see in any other constructed format. And so, dollar fifty for one of the most powerful board wipes uh, out there right now. You got this thing for two dollars in paper back in the day. Yeah, I was going through some of my old Car Kingdom receipts, saying two dollars and thirty-two cents, I believe. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, I, I can't even remember a time when it was under like twenty dollars. But this is broken. I hate it, and it needs to be banned immediately. Uh, I, I will die on that hill. Why? Why? Why do you hate it so much? It's it's so one sided. It requires no uh, creative uh, deck building or game planning in order to make it uh, work. And the worst part about it is that you can play it for its overload cost have absolutely no way of winning and serve to just extend the game out almost indefinitely. I I love, and I shouldn't say I love, but I do not mind cards that just end the game on the spot, right? Or combos that do that. Sometimes games have to end. Cyclonic Rift too often is the opposite of that. It serves to not end the game, but just slow everybody down and give us those famous three, four-hour games of Commander. Um, I'm definitely over that. Um, I'm over the the really predictable play pattern of it. Uh, so not a huge fan. I think it's just a bunch of feel-bad uh, wrapped up in that thing. I know, yeah, you cost seven mana, but come on, you're ramping. Like, you're never, you're never waiting until turn seven just to play it. You're just having that threat up is enough to uh, mess with what everybody is doing. Um, I don't know. So so that's where I come from with it. Um, Have you played with Mason before? Sometimes he runs Armageddon just to delay the game. That that he has no win condition other than I'm a jockle hops for fun. <laughs> I don't think he's done that in a long time. I haven't seen land destruction for a while, except for recurring strip mine to destroy all my mountains. Um whenever I play mono red, but that's uh that's a different story for a different day. Um I don't mind land destruction most of the time, and usually that happens a lot faster than a cyclonic rift that'll that'll go off on on like you know turn seven, turn eight. You're waiting for um, everybody to overextend maybe, and and you just rip it off. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. So I have those reasons um, for it. If Armageddon was played as much as cyclonic rift, if it was in every single white deck right and everybody played it and everybody kind of took the same tactic and and they didn't have a good end game after playing it they were just like this is really good and blow up all your lands i don't know what to do now um i would have a big problem with armageddon but that's not how people use it. that's that's fair that's fair oh well the other the other card i have is mana drain uh one of the best counter spells in magic mana drain uh blue blue counter target spell at the beginning of your uh, next main phase, add an amount of generic mana to your mana pool equal to that spell's converted mana cost. It's running for $120 right now on TCG Player. You can get that on Moto for $3 for $1.42. I apologize. $1.42. You can get one of the best counter spells in, um, in Commander. Yeah, that blew, my, that blew me away. $1.42 for $120 magic counterspell mana drain Woo! can't beat it um you got anything else there tunnel 
Uh, just for fun, for Thassa was Dead Eye Navigator. Uh, I, I thought there's no way Dead Eye Navigator was going to fit in to uh, Thassa. Four blue blue creature spirit was soul bond as long as Dead Eye Navigator is paired with another creature. Each of those creatures has one blue exile this creature, then return it to the battlefield under your control. And in Thassa, it is awesome uh, to be able to blink all your stuff to get more value for just two mana. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's only two cents compared to the $5 price tag you can get at Card Kingdom right now. Um, so, sorry. I'm sorry to cut in here, but with uh, I do agree with Andy's uh, sentiment a bit about Cyclonic Rift being insane. Um, I have a very similar idea with uh, Dead Eye Navigator. I think Dead Eye Navigator is also, like, it's too good. Um it literally just pair it with any creature with an ETB, and it's it's going to overrun the game. And it goes infinite very easily. Um, that's my two cents. Uh, I don't I don't run the the Drake. I don't run the Drake. What are you talking about? <laughs> I do feel like there was uh, some talk about that I navigator at some point, right? And like. Uh, I don't know. A few years ago, I feel like I feel like there was a, a an earnest discussion about whether Dead Eye Navigator should be banned. I don't know if this was just like all of a sudden, like was Palancron happening too much, or I don't know what was going on. But total, you got that Cloud of Fairies, man, right? Like I can do some shenanigans. Uh, yeah, Cloud of Fairies is great. Throw a Panharmonicon in there, and we're having a great time. Oh, mama. Hey, speaking of Panharmonicon, I have the next best thing. Actually, maybe better. Um, I wanted to talk about Helm of the Host real quick. This is um, a legendary artifact equipment for four. Uh, reads, at the beginning of combat, on your turn, create a token that's a copy of a equipped creature, except the token isn't legendary. If a equipped creature is legendary, that token gains haste. Equip cost is five. This is uh, going for uh, just under $8 in paper. On Moto, it is about $0.02. Cents. Um, you can't beat those savings. And Helm is, to me, it's as good as Panharmonicon, in a lot of cases better. It has obvious synergies going infinite with Goto, with Bandit Warlord. Um, I love that deck. I love playing Goto Helm. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It's super fast. But Helm is also great in just value engine decks in in things like lucas's thassa potentially right this thing can just add to something and just start accruing value every single turn um so it's it's great for stuff like that um i love it in any deck that wants panharmonicon that wants extra etb effects um maybe you want to mess with combat steps and things like that too um so it has some variability in what you can use it for as well um also, uh, along those same lines, in thinking about how do I make mono red better, well, how about Lion's Eye Diamond, fellas? Um, Lion's Eye Diamond, it costs zero. It's an artifact. It reads, sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond, discard your hand, add three mana of any one color to your mana pool, activate this ability only any time you could cast an instant. Friends, this uh, is uh, a card near and dear to my heart. I love this. I, I have a version in paper. Um, it goes for about $200 in paper. It's $198 right now. On Moto, it's $1.50. And in, in things like Mono Red, where you don't have the advantages of green, 
uh, you, to ramp, you don't have the advantages of black tutor and, and to have really efficient creatures and things like that. Lion's Eye Diamond is great. In Goto, it just ramps you to high heaven in any mono red deck. I love it in there. Um, you're so often going to uh, come into situations where you just want mana and you don't actually care about what's in your hand. And especially if you are playing with something that is a real combo-centric commander in your command zone, you really don't care about your hand. You just want to get as much mana as possible to cast your commander. And this thing is crazy in scenarios like that. Uh, this slots right into my mono red stuff, y'all. Um, and then finally, I want to talk about Fire Covenant, a little Rakdos love for the people out there. This is like a Toxic Deluge type effect. Uh, Fire Covenant is one black red. It's an instant. As an additional cost to play Fire Covenant, you pay X life. And then Fire Covenant deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. In paper, this goes for about $5. It's like $4.70 or something like that. Um, on Moto, it's $0.05. Cents. Uh, if you're playing Rakdos and you don't have this, you need to. It's so good. Uh, you can pay tons of life if you want and sweep the entire board, but often you're just going to be able to hold up that mana and at instant speed just deal with anything that you need to before your turn uh, or respond to somebody who's trying to go off with an activated ability. You can just pow at instant speed, um, take them out, pay, you know, five, six life and, and grab an, a, another value creature that you want off the board. Um, super efficient. Um, and I love its variability. I love what you can do with it. Um, often in uh, certain deck builds, you really don't care about your life total as much, especially if you play in a meta within your personal playgroup that doesn't have a lot of beatdown. You know, use your life total as a resource. Um, that's another area that you can get into and gain some advantage with. So uh, those are the ones I want to talk about. Um, uh, other thoughts, guys? Mason, did you have any other cards that you didn't get to talk about yet um well i guess i guess i could bring one another card up that is definitely a card you guys are going to see more of as in we're going to see it from you you're going to be playing it oh i'll be playing it oh and no witness me play it um but i, I did want to bring up helm of the host great card um you did you mentioned it uh i've already played it you guys seen me play it in july that's been my favorite interaction is to make two Shalai's and just give all of your creatures hexproof because both Shalai's give each other hexproof, which has been the one downside of Shalai is that she can just be killed. But if you have two of them, then everything is untouchable, which is great. Yeah, I guess the card that I want to bring up is uh, none other than Moat, the enchantment for two. Ooh. I hate Moat. <laughs> <laughs> two colorless uh white white or an enchantment creatures without flying can't attack and that's that's it there's no other speculation to that they just they just can't um so this this in a deck where you're playing control um you do want to slow the game down as much as possible you want to get up to that cyclonic rift you want to you just want to stall the game, just how Andy loves it. And uh, stuff like uh, Ghostly Prison, which is kind of doing the same thing. This one, they don't get to pay to attack. It's just flat out, just can't. And um, so in paper, it's going to run you around 600 bucks. So another card that I would never expect to 
touch or play ever. Um, but online, it's twenty six cents. I gotta say, Mason and Lucas, I don't know if you have thoughts about this, but it feels like um, in, in this format um, that white has uh, a, a lot of better card selection than it does in in the real world, just because of some of these budget things. Um, what what's your sense of that? I feel like I remember like a time when uh, the best stacks and and the best uh, efficient creatures and these kinds of effects were were white. Um, is moat really like the only one though? Does what does white gain some some other stuff? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I just have this feeling that there's like a color balance that that kind of happens because a lot of these reserved list or old type cards uh, suddenly become affordable in this format? Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are, but I have noticed just like with commander staple white cards, they are still expensive. Like what's the four mana enchantment that we just got recently that gives you treasure when your opponent's smothering type? Yeah, smothering type. That is expensive on Moto. Yeah, and and there's other st- stuff like that, like um, Enlightened Tutor is also kind of expensive, which can cut into our $15 budget that we've been running. Um, but there are stuff like, uh, there are things like uh, Stoneforge Mystic is dirt cheap. I think that's like a dollar. Um, so I don't, I don't quite know, but there definitely is some sort of color balance and kind of it almost feels like a totally different format that we're with this budget range and this weird economy that is magic online. It's, it's, it's like its own thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think it's, it's, I keep saying um, uh, inadvertently, like uh, in, in, in the introduction and things like that, I keep talking about this format. It, it feels like a different format like we're playing edh and we're playing with a constraint we're playing with a budget so that's supposed to breed creativity but the creativity that it gets to breed is actually some pretty broken stuff some really powerful cards i do feel like it's a different uh way of of engaging with commander um almost to the effect that it's not just a different meta it's like a completely different uh format i completely agree with you other thoughts fellas last thoughts um cards we didn't mention anything springing to mind here well i think just as we do deck building in general like don't like don't i almost have to relearn like we're all just talking about it's a new format you almost have to relearn what cards are on the table and not on the table like moat for instance or the abyss these are cards we would typically look for like the Abyss goes in a lot of great decks, but you wouldn't normally think of it. Or Moat goes in a lot of decks, but you don't normally think of it. So as we're deck building, we really got to take off that lens of, well, it's out of range. And kind of use Scryfall or whatever search engine you use to kind of let anything fly. Don't don't not click on something just because you think you know what the price is. Oh, that's a, that's an awesome point. I love that. Like we we have we're, you're almost relearning deck building, and obviously we don't have like all the fast mana, right? You still don't get like the moxes and stuff like that. You don't get grim monolith and and basalt monolith and and all of those things. Um, so it's not like this suddenly becomes you know we're building CEDH decks 
for $15 or something like that. But you can play some broken stuff. You can play some really good things. Uh, so I'm I'm so impressed with, with how this is playing. Uh, the cards that we mentioned today are just a handful of things we're going to do and continue to do. Um, segments like this uh, going forward, we'll have little episodes or we'll throw this into uh, full episodes. Um, this is a little bit of a shorter one for all of you at home, uh, uh, just to, to get a sense of the type of stuff that's out there. We're going to keep talking about this and prices change and we learn more about what's in the format and, uh, and what's affordable and what surprises us and, and where we want to throw it in. So we're going to keep doing this and, and talking about surprise cards. Um, so, all right, last words. What you snacking, Andrew? What you been snacking on? <laughs> you know that I have not upgraded from uh, that big thing of Costco chips. Um, and but but I will say that um, I am looking forward to cracking into um, I'm, I'm checking the box. It's a 36 count of Pirate's Booty. If you haven't had Pirate's Booty, um, check it out. I think it's a slam dunk. I think it's a, it's a home run, and I think everybody loves it. I think it's a crowd pleaser. Mason, what are you snacking? Um, man, I don't know. I, I, I've been thinking on it. Right now, I would say just these jalapeno chippies right now, Kettle brand. Um, pretty much anything that's jalapeno-flavored chips, I got to try it. I like spicy stuff and I like the flavor of jalapenos, but I honestly, the last snack I heard from you last week made me thinking I got to, I got to sidestep into a different category. I got to go, you were drinking a little bit of like a snifter of some nice scotch. And we talked about it a little bit of, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could go for some nice scotch and like some dessert, go from the, the salty, savory, in a bag, just like chips in my mouth, with I also enjoy, but like some nice cookies or a nice, like a cheesecake or so. I don't know. I don't yes. know yet. Yes, uh, a cheesecake and scotch. I, I think you're you're um you're putting me on like a, a great date or something right now, Mason. Um. Oh man, uh, I got I got this. I so I was sipping on this uh, Japanese whiskey, Nikka coffee whiskey, and um. Uh, you could pick that thing up at at some grocery stores, um. Uh, for real, and it's affordable, and it's so good. It's some of the best whiskey I've ever had. Tomatin is some of my favorite too that you can pick up in a grocery store, uh, and sip on that stuff all night. And I uh, I love a good glass of scotch, for sure. And Mason cheesecake. Uh, I think that's a pairing I haven't tried before, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. That sounds awesome. That's something I haven't tried either. I just I don't know. It's it's been a while. I usually don't do dessert too often, um, but it just sounds right. It just sounds like a nice thing to be doing late at night. Just yeah. sipping on a bit of scotch or some bourbon. I'm a big scotch and or bourbon person. I don't. I don't mess around with the, I don't know what the other types of whiskeys are, but pretty much stick to those. Um, this is what this pod is all about. We're all about finding new flavors, new pairings, and uh, giving you inspiration uh, across the spectrum of your life. That's what we're all about. Uh, Lucas, what you snacking, man? 
Well, let me tell you what I'm not snacking on, and that's scotch and whiskey. I am I cannot drink those things without making a weird face. <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's not. That's okay. I, that's okay. I practice. I practice in the solitary so I can do it in public and not make a face. And I I am not there yet. I cannot do it. Do you find yourself in situations where you have to drink whiskey and and you need to be prepared for it? It happens enough, uh, awkwardly with what I do for work, uh, with the people we hang out with. Sometimes they just want a nightcap, and I got to sit there and pretend like I'm a real boy. And spoiler, I am not. So what do you? So if you're not doing whiskey and cheesecake, buddy, what are you into? So, uh, so this is what I've been doing recently: uh, is getting that bougie cheese from the rich people section of the grocery store. Uh, it's like seven bucks for the smallest amount of spread cheese that you can imagine. Uh, I even forget the name of it, but it's garlic herbs and cheese. And uh, it goes on a Ritz cracker like a dream. It's wonderful. Uh, that has been my life right now. <laughs> you got the rich people. cheese on the Ritz, putting on the Ritz. That's it. You got it. Mason, what do you think about this cheese, buddy? I kind of want, I kind of want to hear from Mason. Uh, the cheese you're thinking of is Borzen. It's a, the name brand, the one that you, you shared with us. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, man. So cheese, I have, I, we could, I could have a full episode of just me talking about my relationship and my past with cheese. Um, not to boast. And honestly, I, I get a, not upset, but a little like, I don't want you, I don't want you talking me up being, being a chef. Cause that's kind of like my old self and now i'm this this magic nerd that's kind of given up on extreme cooking but i, I used to i want to the wisconsin grilled cheese competition i want a few hundred bucks doing that i was on tv for it whoa kind of a big deal you can find me on pbs uh reruns um but anyway yeah cheese man i could i'm obsessed with cheese Though it, it upsets my stomach very much so. But uh, if you want to talk cheese, Lucas, and you want some recommendations, um, hit me up. I know I know all of the Wisconsin cheeses. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on that because this, uh, this new discovery of rich people cheese is wonderful. So I'll take all the cheese recommendations you got. Yeah. So, so recently, speaking of cheese, uh, recently I've been trying to ease up on cheese, but... Recently, I needed a hard cheese because I was making some mac and cheese and I wanted some hard cheese to, to melt on top, make crispy um, to get that uh, texture difference. Um, but if you're looking for like a hard cheese, like a Parmesan or whatever, there's this very, it's pretty much in every grocery store now. It's called Bella Vitano. Um, and it's it's insanely delicious you could just eat it by itself it comes in this little triangle hunk that's like maybe six bucks or so but man and it comes in different like the rind has different flavors like there's merlot espresso the last one i got was chipotle and it's just like the rind of it is that and the rest is like oh man it's everything you want it's sweet it's salty it's it's it'll it'll rock your world all right, guys, we got the next uh, we got the next episode topic for sure. We're gonna hit this cheese up. Um, all right, I, I I think that's it for us. 
tonight, y'all. Um, so uh, we're going to say goodbye. Um, check us out again next week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around on this journey with us. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. Peace Bye. out. Bye.